Welcome to the Fellow Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lesperance. Listen in as I host humble discussions exploring the diverse expressions of Christian spirituality, tradition, and beyond. Enjoy, and safe traveling. Hello, my fellow travelers. Thanks so much for listening in. I've really appreciated all your support. If you would like to support me further, consider becoming a patron on my Patreon. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash morningsun underscore fellow traveler, or just click the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. I love you. How's it going, everybody? I'm here today with, how do I say your last name? <laughs> say your full name for us. <laughs> Joanna for Georgia. For Georgia. A tricky one. <laughs> it is a tricky one. I've never known how to say it. I don't think I've ever said it before, but um, Georgia is a member of the church that we used to be members of. Uh, me and my wife were members of it when we lived down in Taunton, Massachusetts, down in the southeast at First Community Church. And you've been serving there for, what, your whole life? No, not my whole life. Uh, by the way, my name really? is Joanna. Uh, my last Joanna, name is yeah. For Georgia, kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, not my whole life, but about um, 10 years or so, 10 to 12 years. Oh, wow. In that community. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And in that time that we were going there, I don't think we ever really had any long conversations with you, but I, uh, we've been friends on Facebook for years. And especially in the past few years, we've kind of connected and I've definitely enjoyed a lot of what you've been sharing and, um, and I get this sense that you kind of have been, I don't know, wanting to speak prophetically in a way to evangelicalism and to the church and to the culture, you know, and I definitely have a pastoral heart in that sense. But um, yeah, I mean, how are you doing? I'm doing all right these days. I think yep. um, I've been learning to um, kind of roll with with the things that happen in life and um, take care of myself a little bit better and still love those around me but craft boundaries um, as to my en- energy expenditure but it's all it's oh, all learning human but I'm, I'm doing really well these days I hear you yeah um yeah I hear you that's cool and where do you live in so I live in Rhode Island. Um, I moved kind of towards the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I was able to purchase a place and have just been really blessed to to be a Rhode Islander now, small estate, you know. Um, oh, cool. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, but did you grow up in the Taunton area? So I actually grew up in um, Plainville, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. and, um, was li- lived there for about 28, 29 years. Um, but yeah, kind of a small town. Um, but, but connected, it was kind of mm-hmm. that way, easy to go That's to cool. different places. Yeah. Nice. 
That's awesome. Well, here on the, I'm sure you've listened to a, a couple episodes, but you get the gist that here, my my starting point for these conversations is the topic of um, spiritual heritage, kind of understanding where you find your your spiritual roots and what tradition and what was that experience like? And um, especially in terms of, I'm, I'm really interested in experiences because I think I've kind of become disillusioned with the kind of faith tradition or expression that only really wants to think and talk about God, but not like experience it. And when it actually, you know, Jesus put on flesh, you know, he didn't just speak from the clouds and say, this is who I am. No, he showed us. So, and that expression comes out in people's lives. And I think that's what I'm really interested in hearing. So why don't you share with us a little bit of your spiritual heritage and um, if there's any experiences within that, um, whether mystical or mundane, that kind of rooted you in your faith. Sure. So you can share as much as or as little as you want. Absolutely. Um, so I, I grew up with um, a Christian family. My my parents are very devout um, believers and um, my siblings as well. And so I, I grew up also um, in a Reformed Baptist. I want to say tradition, but I think they would probably say we're not exactly a tradition. We're not a denomination, but there definitely was a lot of um, theology and theological understanding that was impressed upon me even when I was young. And um, so that those were kind of the circles, maybe very conservative. And um, also I was homeschooled. So again, that level of exposure was a little bit different for me. Um, but there's a lot of really cool aspects of growing up in that way that I, I really appreciate. I think, you know, family devotions and prayer and, um, you know, service and, um, you know, um, I think I think there was a lot of interesting aspects of my my childhood and my my journey, but for me, I really struggled for a long time with certainty of is this my faith? Is this what I believe, or am I just conforming to people around me, to my parents, what they're saying? Um, you know, what am I doing? Um, so it was just a very difficult time, I think, especially. Um, I had gone through that a transition with my family of going to a different church. And I remember the pastor saying something that really stuck with me and kind of caused an ex existential crisis, maybe. Um, he said, do you think you're going to live forever? And, you know, for maybe my 10-year-old brain, I that really, that idea struck me and it struck me with a lot of fear. Um, and I remember, you know, talking with my mom about that, like opening up to her and just saying, I'm scared. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when I die. And, you know, she was very comforting and um, understanding as well. Um, and, you know, praying with me and, um, you know, showing me love and affection and talking about um, God um, and how it only took faith as small as a mustard seed, um, you know, kind of referring to that scripture. But I remember, I think for just a good period of time in my life until my teens, I struggled with so much fear and trying to kind of bargain with God and say, God, I'll be so good. Or, um, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, pray in any specific way that would make me not be afraid. Um, and to be more, to, to fit in, in the Christian culture that I was in. And 
um, it wasn't until I was kind of um, in my late teens that I was in a car accident and it was really traumatic. It was, it, you know, the car was totaled. And I just remember in that moment of realizing that, whoa, I'm, I'm alive and I'm not hurt. Um, even though this car is really crumpled around me, I felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude and just this experience of comfort. Like I hadn't felt it before where I knew that my life had been saved, but also my soul had been saved as well. Um, and it was, I really do think that that moment is from God that the Holy Spirit said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Um, you can have confidence in me. Um, that I've been doing a lot in your life, even when you didn't realize it. So that that really that experience was incredibly formational for me. Um, and from there, I just felt like I made so many steps in in my journey of getting to know who God was and um, loving Him and wanting to serve other people. Um, but that's sort of that that's that background of where that started and where I felt like God was bringing me and. Um, my life was really enriched as well in college. I had lived a very insular life to a certain extent, being homeschooled and kind of just hanging out in the same church circles. And it was in college that I got involved in a um, campus ministry. And um, me and my best friend plant, planted a, a chapter um, with that ministry. And it was such a, a transformational time for me in how to engage with people that did not believe the same way um, and respecting them and learning and being curious and thinking, trying to live in a way that Jesus modeled. And so that was a huge point of, of growth in my life where I feel like I grew up to a certain extent in my faith. It was no longer my parents making so many decisions for me, it was me. Me actually kind of living, living the life that I wanted to for the Lord. And so that was just a really transformational time. And that's how I got involved in my um, church community where I met you and your family. That's too funny. Um, I had a very similar experience, although I wasn't, um, I wasn't homeschooled, but it did kind of feel rather insular um, in a lot of ways. And also I was involved with campus ministry in college as well. And kind of had a similar experience where you really start to take ownership of your faith when you actually start taking it seriously and sharing it with others and kind of interacting with people of other faiths and non-religious people. And yeah, that's really fascinating. So then you ended up at um, CCC after college? Actually, during um, one of my friends, oh, really? the Bible study that uh, that I started, he he said I was looking for a new a new home, a new church body to get involved in. Uh, I would say the churches I grew up in were not very affirming of women. Um, I, I really hid the fact that I led a Bible study on campus. Um, you know, some people did not like the fact that women were educated. Um, so it, it was just an environment, and I will. I want to clarify: my parents and my family weren't um, did not hold those types of beliefs. I felt like my parents were very affirming um, in my desires to get an education and to um, start a Bible study on campus. But the circles we were in, again, that that fear was very present that I could be shunned or um, you know called out for leading a Bible study on campus because women um, weren't supposed to do that. So 
for me, it was, I was looking for a new church community that would be more affirming of women and um, just a place where I could grow and um, use my gifts. I, it was one of those areas where, um, you know, I feel like I do have some, some teaching and some, uh, you know, gifts that I wanted to use for, for the Lord. And um, I felt like for a very long time, I, I had to hide those um, and, you know, be very careful about speaking or, or doing anything like that. And so I was very thankful to be able to get into a church community that was very affirming and um, mm. yeah, saw a lot of my giftings. That is so interesting how uh, it's one of those examples where experience doesn't match up with some people's beliefs. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like in theory, I guess on a cursory reading of some obscure Bible passages, you could be like, oh yeah, women aren't supposed to speak in church. Well, but in experience, the Holy Spirit uses women to speak in church. <laughs> Sorry. You know? so much. Um, and so much. also the Bible doesn't tell people to be women to be silent in church, at least from the very little study I've done, but it's just, it's just a, it, it, that is a fascinating topic. And, and uh, I was actually speaking with a, another um, woman pastor pretty recently. And mm. she kind of, she had a similar experience where she actually felt like she, she was very devout to the idea. She's like, no, God is not calling me now today. She's a pastor. So <laughs> wow, uh, yeah, she's, she's pastoring a church and a Baptist church at that too. Mm -hmm. Funny wow. enough. Yeah. But that's super cool. Yeah. CCC is a really cool church. Um, if you happen to be in Southeast Massachusetts or Rhode Island, they even like, it's not too far. Well, like 40 minutes probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too far. You're too far. Yeah. It's decent decent hike i mean you're not right in the zone if you're in um about yeah about 40 minutes from from uh uh rhode island but yeah we we stumbled upon it because it was either like in in time you either go to the catholic church or there's like a few like low churches that are just like these random spatterings but then there's ccc and and Carrie's community church is like the catch-all it's like everybody ends up there somehow <laughs> you know there's a lot of ex or still catholics who just want something different and of course you know there's a lot of people who didn't grow up christian that end up there just getting drawn into the community and it is such a loving stable environment i really appreciated my time there honestly me and my wife i don't know where we, we would have ended up if we hadn't gotten involved and gotten involved with a community group there, it really was life-changing for the both of us. But yeah, that's super cool. Tell me a little bit about your experiences there. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. I've really spent my adult life at um, Christ Community Church. Um, and that was sort of a re realization I had uh, last year, I think, where it's like, I, I grew up to a certain extent in this church, but or I, I had to learn to be an adult in church here. And, you know, for me, I, I think I walked in and just felt very empowered, um, very seen. Like that was another aspect where, um, you know, a few leaders and um, some of the pastors, you know, noticed some of the, the qualities that I have of being able to to teach or to, to do music and um, 
to lead worship and um, to try and engage with other people or um, even my cultural um, you know, experiences of traveling. So I think a lot of people were really affirming and that was something I hadn't experienced. Um, I felt like I had to hide kind of some of the things that I loved. Um, and so it was nice. It felt like I didn't have to hide but also it was kind of a bigger church environment than what I was used to. So it was also sort of nice to just come and, and be, but not have to talk to anybody necessarily at first. You know, I eventually I got plugged in, but I spent about a year or so not being plugged in and just listening and um, yeah, partaking in worship and, um, and really enjoying that. And then I'm not going to lie, you know, Christ Community Church, it's not a perfect church. Um, you know, there have been issues and transitions and um, difficulties. And I really tried to live out, I think, scripture to the best of my abilities to make the, the church a better place, to stand up for those who might have experienced injustice and, um, to walk in the way that Jesus did, you know, we, we have to listen to those who are brokenhearted or who are hurting or um, who have experienced, again, that injustice. And I think um, it's been really interesting to navigate some of those difficulties and transitions and leadership um, things and to use my voice to say, hey, I see this problem or, hey, I, you know, I think scripture would challenge us on this topic. And it, it's been interesting, you know, to be part of a, a church that's gone through transitions. And um, it's helped me grow a lot. It helped me grow a lot in how to navigate situations with wisdom um, and, and to, you know, be an encourager, but also be used Again, I think you said it earlier, but a, a prophetic voice to a certain extent to say, we can't live this way and honor God, or we can't act this way and honor God in the church. So I feel like I've been been around for a while and um, things have not always been easy as far as my involvement or um, saying, saying different things or um, engaging with different people. But I think the work is, is one that um, hopefully has been honoring to God. I, I believe so. I mean, I think me and Cassie got really lucky because when we we joined, it was just when um, now Matt Thornton at the time, he was just the associate pastor. Now he's the lead pastor. But it was just at that time when um, Matt was just about to be stepping up and being voted in as lead pastor. And then Fred came along and then Stephen Bailey came along what an excellent like pastor and and worship leader and I think we were pretty lucky it, it was kind of it was it was sad to leave because we were really connected to people um I'm sure I can name drop all of them too we got um I remember Chris Paterni he was yeah. one of my best pals he lived we lived in the same uh uh association as well as Amber his wife and of course, the Mansfields. We love the Mansfields. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So it's it's so funny. Like, yeah, it was such a such a powerful time, but it was also a weird, an interesting time of of transition that we were there as well. So, but it seemed like everything fell into place right before COVID. <laughs> In a lot of ways, 
Yeah. A little <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like Matt stepped up as the lead pastor and everything seemed to be settling in. You guys really had this big plan to like this kingdom fund to help mm-hmm. like with service and paying off the, the new building and, and then COVID hit. And then it's it seemed like you guys were a really solid foundation for the community at that time, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I really think so. It was, um, I was very impressed with our church's response. Um, it was a difficult time for so many. And um, again, I was just impressed by the way, yeah. the leadership mm-hmm. you know, engaged with public health authorities and, you know, just spent so mm-hmm. much time getting creative or, you know, doing an outdoor service and yeah, those types of things. I, I felt very, very blessed, um, even in a very challenging time for so yeah. many. Oh, we were all, we were all challenged for sure. Yeah. I mean, and maybe we can backtrack a little bit and just talk about like, when do you think faith started for you? You know, when, when do you, when do you think, or were there any experiences in particular that you can look back on and like, wow, those were moments where I, those are moments that I can look back on and like, remember the faithfulness of God. And I actually remember, I have a very good memory and I remember um, we were having a worship night. This is back spring 2019. Like, that's how good my memory is. And we were having a worship night at CCC. And I remember like halfway through, you got up and shared a couple passages and you were talking about the faithfulness of God and how he had been faithful to your church community through all the transitions and changes. And, and it was kind of like this beautiful moment where we realized like, oh, wow, the church has been through so much and it survived. And here we are. But I mean, just like, for you personally, like what, what are, are there any experiences that you can look back on and, and kind of remember the faithfulness of God in your life? And also, you know, those moments, I feel like God every once in a while just gives us a moment where he just makes it pretty plain what, that he loves us, that he desires a relationship with us, that he, that he's called us into service in some way, shape, or form. Have, did you have, ever have a moment? Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like even recently, I've, I've had just some moments that have really stood out. Um, and, you know, so maybe I'll start more recent. And if something about childhood comes comes up, I'll, 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 I'll mention that as well. And I think I did, did mention that, you know, that struggle with that, um, the aspect of, of, of dying and, and things like that. And I, I do think God really relieved those fears um, and helped those things subside and helped me look to him. And so that was, that was really a precious moment. I remember having a portion of my life, I think it was when I was in my young teens, um, where I couldn't sleep. Like I just, I, I don't know what it was. It might've been a physical thing, but I just had such a difficult time sleeping. And I remember my mom saying, I was like, maybe God's trying to tell you something. And, um, you know, it just, those types of things do stick with you. I, I can't say that it came out with this brilliant revelation, but I remember my dad sharing a verse with me, like he, he gives his beloved rest. And that was just a, a beautiful promise that eventually was fulfilled when I was able to start sleeping again, um, you know, consistently through the, the night and not feeling um, such, you know, exhaustion, you know, by trying to get sleep. So that's one memory where just the faithfulness of God, even in that those physical and mental um, exhaustion moments, um, were really 
fulfilled, I think, you know, he, he was, it was really beautiful to kind of cling to scripture in those moments and um, experience just, you know, relief um, and, and encouragement from other people too about those things. Um, I think as well, just seeing God's faithfulness to me in college, I had really walked in as a, a former homeschooler and um, I had had it was between the college that I went to, Bridgewater State University, and a, a small Christian college. And I, I remember when I picked, um, it was mostly a financial choice. I can't can't be like I prayed and God told me, but it was mostly a financial choice. And I um, I walked into that school thinking I'm not going to make any friends. I'm I'm going to be here a loner. I'm just going to get in, get out, and that's it. Because who knows how the world might infect me, and boy, did God change my heart when it came to my campus. Um, you know, I, I felt like I started making so many friends and not just ones who were fellow believers, although, you know, some of my, my um, really good friends are, um, were met in that, that kind of core group, but so many friends who, um, from different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions. And it was just I realized that that's something I enjoyed, that I wanted to actually know those people, that God had given me a sense of curiosity. So just the heart change between, you know, thinking I'm going to be a loner, I'm going to get in, get out. And then for God actually to say, no, I want to use you on this campus. Um, you know, I want you to, I want your heart to change. And he really did that, that work where I, I loved, loved that school um, and loved engaging with the people in it and still have so many friends and connections there. Um, so that's another, you know, really tangible memory of God's faithfulness and just transforming my, my sinful heart, um, you know, walking on to that campus. And then more recently, I, I've had the past two years, I've had some, it seems like both of those years have started out, started off with a really intense physical experience, um, not for the best. So um, in February of 2021, I had to drive myself to the emergency room because I was having a kidney stone. And just in those moments, it was terrible, terrible pain. I don't I hope, I hope um, none of your listeners have had to experience that, but if they have, they know it's, it's really the most excruciating experience. And just the faithfulness in God to, I was really struggling. I remember just praying out loud, just, you know, out with my mask, um, you know, trying to sort of pace in a, a room in the hospital that I was even blessed to have because there were, you know, rooms, um, there were people in the hallways because of, um, you know, COVID and just the experience of God's faithfulness to bring me through that. Um, and even, you know, when I was really struggling to mentally focus and engage and just really struggling with that aspect due to pain or due to sorrow and due to questioning, will this, will this end? Is there an end time for this? Um, God was really faithful to bring me through that. And then this year, um, just, I, I've been saying, Jesus just wants me to pay my deductible by the beginning of the year, apparently. Um, but, or actually this previous year, 2022, um, in January, I had a pulmonary embolism. So that's a blood clot in your, in your lung. And, you know, people have died of, um, having those and, you know, it was one where I didn't know what was going on. And 
I was in a lot of pain and I just thought, is this another kidney stone? Um, but just the stress of that experience and the physical exhaustion that came, not just in the emergency room, but after it was honestly, I want to say two to three months before I felt like I had any energy. Um, I was just so exhausted. And even that had such an effect on my mentality. Um, you know, I can honestly say I felt depressed and discouraged by just the way my body was different um, after that experience. And, you know, as it slowly healed, it was just the faithfulness of God in this was one where through the tangible hands of, of people, my sister um, was the one who took care of me, but I got home from the hospital. And again, it was just like experiencing the hands and feet of Jesus to me um, where I really want, I, I have, a, I struggle with one, this, this mentality of I, a loner I have to do it alone. I, you know, I'm single. I, I just have to take care of myself. And my sister said, no, I want to take care of you. Um, and again, that just seems like the grace of the grace of God to me. And so many people came out of the woodwork to offer to help me, um, to pray with me, to, to bring me meals. And um, yeah, it was just such a beautiful experience of really seeing the grace of God to me and his faithfulness um, and me learning to receive help um, through that time and to be honest about what I was struggling with. Wow, that's really neat. I, I can identify that for, with that for sure. But like, yeah, it's interesting. It seems like God almost uses calamity, sickness, illness, things that you think wouldn't have any meaningful purpose. Like, and it gets into the whole question of like, why, why is there, why do we have this problem of evil and suffering? But like, it's interesting that it seems like God almost uses those situations to humble us. And mm. it's kind of like, you know, that backwards pride that you get, I think from, <clears throat> and maybe it's even like a part of growing up Christian as well, like backwards pride where you think like, oh, I have to do this on my own. I, I'm a Christian. I, 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 you know, it always comes back to I, 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 what I, I have to do. And, and then God puts you through this debilitating um whatever you know any sort of debilitating situation and i think it's like god's way of nudging us and saying hey it's not about you <laughs> you know yeah. and and actually god's like no i i'm the one who's who's doing things for you you know and because mm. in the past like about a year ago it's funny around the same time you were going that pulmonary embolism which is terrifying <laughs> which praise god you're better now yeah. <laughs> hope you're better now Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. As I was going at the same time, I, I last spring I was going through. I went through a really bad, debilitating depression and anxiety, and it had a lot to do with like my job and and also, I think at the time I was just really spiritually unhealthy, mm -hmm. and kind of I was kind of being a loner in a lot of ways. I wasn't really getting connected and. Um, with other believers and whatnot but but like during that time you know every everything was thrown up in the air and I was I didn't feel like I had anywhere 
to rest, you know, and stand. And, and it was a very painful process, but now looking back at it, I feel like God was purging, you know, he was like purging me in those experiences, but it was terrifying that much anxiety and feeling that spiritually depressed because like historically I'm a very joyful person and but in that time like for solid like five six months people were really concerned and and I don't think I would have connected with as many people and and I don't think I would have realized how many people love me mm-hmm. if I hadn't gone through that experience and and I don't think I would have and and on the other end of it I felt like this supernatural energy um after like God lifted it off, you know, lifted off this depression and anxiety. And he gave me a new job that I I couldn't have, that I I couldn't imagine would have been good for me, but it's, it's probably the best job. It's the best job I've ever had. And it's right down the street in Worcester. And um, so like that really, it's crazy how this faithfulness works. It's really, but you get, you kind of get to see glimpses of it when you look back and you're like, wow. God works in mysterious ways, but he, he really is acting towards in love towards us at all, in all situations. And I think that's one of like the biggest, most important um, lessons to learn for anybody is that the way in which God acts, his, his, his disposition towards us is that of love. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really hard lesson to learn because in the abstract, it doesn't really make much sense. But then when you experience it, you're like, oh, wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's incredibly humbling. And it is a way that he shows us himself um, and, you know, has us share in the sufferings of Christ to a certain extent, you know, Mm. it makes you remember, wow, you know, Jesus came, you know, as you were saying towards the beginning, incarnationally, he came in human flesh and experienced Mm -hmm. what it's like. Um, And the pain that that involves or the the depression um, and you know, so that, 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 that verse where it says, you know, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. We have a God that came down and understands, um, Mm. all of those aspects. And yeah, I feel like that's a huge take, take away or learning from some of those experiences that we've, we've had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, um, from your experiences of depression and anxiety, what are what are some things you've learned through those experiences? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I I ex- has been experiencing definitely a, a a a lot more knowledge about mental health and and recognizing that um, our our brains as well as our bodies can can be broken sometimes and can be. Um, have difficulties. And sometimes I think our brain and our body, like we, we need to put those things together. I think we, in our humanity tend to separate and say, well, just because I have something go on, doesn't mean that it will affect me in this one area, but sometimes it does. That's been a huge revelation to me. Um, I think for me, some of, some of my mental health and anxiety comes from my childhood and the the spheres that I was in, um, where everybody just seemed perfect, um, except me. (laughs) 
I always struggled with trying, wanting to fit in, but never being as good as so-and-so or never acting perfectly, never just ma making messes <laughs> because I, I felt like I was very, very human um, and maybe awkward and gawkly so, but still very human. And some people just seemed almost superhuman in their, their goodness or their ability to never say crap or darn or anything, like just not be able to, you know, and so the anxiety that that provoked within me and the avoidance of mistakes has been one of the biggest revelations to me of, wow, that's, I would rather do nothing than make a mistake. And that's sometimes almost paralyzing that anxiety of if I make a mistake, everything can be ruined. And so it's paralyzing. That's part of, of that. Part of that comes from just the theological and um, church circles I was involved in. And that's not to blame anybody. Um, and it's not to say that I don't, you know, have those just, you know, that's me misplacing something. But at the same time, those, those were real fears. Um, and the fears of consequences, I think I mentioned even um, the aspect of shunning, like that, that was something I, I feared at my previous church. And it led to that hiding, you know, hiding from um, some aspects of, you know, hiding what I was doing, but that fear, um, it becomes almost a coping mechanism to just not share that, to not share certain parts. And I think I've been realizing that, that that does do harm to a person's mind. Um, it causes a lot of fear and anxiety. And these have been things that I'm trying to learn a lot more about. I've been in therapy um, for the past two years or so um, since the start of the pandemic. And it really came to a crux for me where I was under so much stress um, for myself because I felt like I was making mistake over just, just so many mistakes. Um, and I just had the most negative thoughts, um, and, and thoughts of even harming myself. And that's when I knew I needed help. Um, and it's one thing where I feel like even talking with my mom or my sister, they had suggested those things in the past, but it wasn't until I had that really that breakdown, that experience where I said, I can't do this on my own. I need help. Um, I need to seek seek that, be, seek professional help, let's put it that way, for um, the mental health and anxiety um, issues that I'm experiencing. And so um, I think that's been a huge, huge learning process. Um, you know, learning what it feels like in my body to have a panic attack um, and to, you know, try and understand these things and say, wow, you know, um, you know, I, I think after the pulmonary embolism, I told you, like, I was just on such a low and just realizing my body has been through a lot. Of course, my mind is going to feel that and to feel the weight of not being able to measure up to what I would normally want. Like I run at a hundred miles per hour, <laughs> like just the speed of my life and the, the, the way I like to accomplish things. I run towards those aspects and I was not able to run. And of course, that's gonna have an effect on my, my mental health, my attitude, my feelings of depression. And so I think 
that aspect of seeking help and being open about what I'm struggling with has been incredibly humbling for one, um, but also really uplifting where I feel like I've been able to address some of the ideas that even stem from childhood or from the theology that I was taught growing up. And that's not to say that it's all wrong, but some of it is just the way that I interpreted it. If I mess up, I've ruined it. I've disappointed God. And that's one where I just feel like the Lord has really worked in me to realize that, um, you know, I'm his beloved child. Um, and instead of that fear of disappointment that I still sometimes, you know, struggle with, I try to remember, you know, I'm his beloved child and um, just, you know, like that, um, that section of scripture that describes when Jesus is baptized, where it's, this is my beloved son in whom I'm, I am well pleased remembering that if I am a Christian, that that statement is true of me, that I'm beloved and that he's pleased in me. And that's really shifted a lot, I think, as far as, you know, what I try to remember when I'm experiencing that anxiety of I've messed up, I've done something wrong, or, or even feeling paralyzed, remembering that God is pleased with me because of Christ, um, and that I can, you know, live and flourish and help other people. So I'm still really learning. It's, it's a journey for me. And I think it's only recently that I've gotten helped and, and kind of delved into some of these, these longstanding issues that I struggled with for so long. Um, but I'm just very, very thankful. And also just, you know, cultivating that openness um, of saying, I need help and receiving it has been huge. That was a huge step for me, I think, to the point when we were talking earlier about being insular, being, you know, kind of reverting to that. It's it's a huge step to re receive help. And I think it's kind of step one in that process of healing, um, reflecting and then healing. So I've been experiencing that most recently. Wow, thanks for sharing that. That's super cool. Yeah, we definitely need to normalize talking about mental health in the church setting. And, and you know, it's not just church, though. It's the wider culture that it's taken a long time for people to come around to the fact that, like, I mean, the statistics show one in one in one in two people, that's 50% of people are affected by mental health, you know, so it's like, it's probably the most pressing issue, honestly, a public health issue across the board, and especially in in the times of the, the pandemic when, like, some people that I, personally, like, I'm like an introverted extrovert, so, like, I like to be alone, but I also like being with people, so, like, during the pandemic, I was, like, I was grooving, I was, I was doing great, especially in the beginning, I was, like, oh, this is sweet, <laughs> working from home, and, uh, <clears throat> but then I got into really some just really bad unhealthy patterns and, and you're not going to church regularly and you're not staying connected with my small group anymore. And mm -hmm. um, it really, things started to take a turn for the worse, especially, <clears throat> especially, um, you know, in the, that fall in 2020, I, my whole family ended up getting COVID and there was just a lot of um, disagreements and arguments about politics and 
what I what I realized, I really think I I suffered uh PTSD, like in some mild form. Um, because going into the year 2021, I remember getting really intense um panic attacks. And I remember just having like that whole fall going after I had COVID and we isolated even more, like we stopped seeing even more people. And I just remember that being, and of course, like, I think also the emotional toll that like the whole political season like took on us, on myself. Like, I think I just, I internalized too much of it and didn't create healthy boundaries between like my engagement in it. And, you know, cause I mean, we have to engage in politics as citizens and as citizens of both United States, but also as citizens of the kingdom of God, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but then there's like, sometimes it can just be an entertainment or sometimes it can just be just engaging in unhealthy ways just trying to other people or just trying to one-up people with my knowledge or whatever. And that can be really dangerous and pride can get in there. And once pride gets in there, you, it just starts eating away at your, at your being and who you are. And I remember, um, yeah, that spring of 2021, I had to go through like a lot of healing in that, but I didn't, I didn't really seek professional help with that. <clears throat> and then I started getting better over the summer and then fall came I started a new job and and I think all of that all of 2020 all the way through 2022 just led to a mental breakdown like that I never saw coming but it I did it hit me so hard and I there were points where I thought I was going to die like I I contemplated it might be easier not living you know and it's really scary when that happens but there's something I don't know I really thought my life was over and I thought I'd never recover and and it's one of those wild experiences and you wonder why those things happen but I did I did try to seek professional help but I I mean you know it definitely makes me think I need to get more involved like to be completely honest like it wouldn't hurt to regularly see a therapist you know um but yeah it's, it's wild I mean I do appreciate your your um, authenticity with that though, sharing because it's a really important message to hear for sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I will say I I again feel very blessed where I know so many people have challenges with health insurance and getting mental health care covered. Um, sometimes it's not, and um, you know I just think there are ways where it's not easy. And I think sometimes it can incur judgment. Um, I've been very open about my, my journey, but I think some people would, would, wouldn't feel um, open in some of the even religious circles that they're in or professional settings. Um, you know, we want to normalize, but we also want to um, acknowledge the problem and um, that there are some systemic issues surrounding being able to get care. So um, I, again, feel very fortunate and blessed with my job, with, um, you know, being able to find a, a therapist in this, in this um, you know, and when, when they're kind of in short supply to a certain extent, so. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, have you, 
have you learned anything about like i mean what have you learned in terms of like the spirituality of depression and, and anxiety you know what's fascinating when and this is being really authentic too like during those really deep and dark times i i feel like i i experienced um even like spiritual attacks and like mm. even like demonic voices in my head and whatnot mm. and i wonder if you had any experience with that and or i don't know if if um if you had any insight onto into like the the spirituality of the anxiety and depression yeah i mean there are some things that i think we're able to identify that are just not of god you know if i'm thinking of harming myself you know i that that's not of god yeah you know it's sure. it's yeah. very it's very shockingly evident or if <laughs> mm-hmm. I, um if i just have this absolute mental breakdown i think even you know a panic attack there's there's so much to think about with that where it's our you know our minds and our bodies just can't can't contain all of the emotional output that's mm. um or the pressure you know i even experienced um i i actually had a really difficult experience with a tenant of mine um and it it caused i was in kind of constant fight or flight and with that i couldn't take a deep breath and there are just some things, again, it's like those types of aspects where it's such stress on your emotions and being in constant control and nitpicking every little action to make sure that you don't hurt another person, like not physically hurt, but just that, that you don't trigger another person is, is so overwhelming. And that really showed up in my body. And so again, I think in an aspect of spiritual attack, there's there's aspects where it's like, I know this is not of God, but what do I do now? Um, you know, I think sometimes too, like some of my depression was associated with my body just having gone through a really extreme physical thing. Um, and so with that honoring what my body's been through, um, that's really hard, but um, being able to to acknowledge those things and say, this is really hard. This really stinks. And, um, that I, I felt like it oftentimes prevented me from, from going to God. Um, and cause I, I would have this thought in my head when I was going through certain things, like I'm not praying enough. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not enough. And, you know, I had to remember God says he's enough, you know, he is sufficient, like all of those words, um, there's this oneness, even when I feel like I don't have the words, when I don't have the energy, when I don't, when I don't feel like getting out of bed, um, God can acknowledge that and, um, you know, again, sympathize with that. And he experienced spiritual attack in addition to all of these other things, these other factors. So I think remembering that you know, it's okay to, um, to say it really, it really, it really sucks. It, it, it's not fun to go through. It's, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to go to him sometimes for help. Um, but that aspect of shaming myself into trying to do that didn't work. So again, that's where I found a lot more life um, in, you know, accepting my weakness 
to a certain extent. Mm. Yeah, I remember <clears throat> in some really depressive states having a really hard time reading the Bible because because it was it's so um, what's the word like it's so hard to compare yourself to the words of Scripture because the words of Scripture can create this standard that's that's so high, especially if you read the book of Proverbs. I, I, I suggest if you're depressed or anxious, don't read the book of Proverbs because it'll make you more depressed. <laughs> it's just not uplifting. You know, it's all about like the, it's all about the consequences of your sin, you know, and, and when you're depressed, it's, it's, you know, the first thing I think that the enemy wants to do is knock you down even further and tell you how bad you are, you know? And I think that's what was happening is, I was reading all these these scriptures and proverbs, and I was like, "Yeah, that's me, Solomon. That's me. Yep, mm. yep. I'm that foolish son who's causing pain for my parents. Yep, that's me. You know, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you read yeah. those proverbs, they're pretty damning. A lot of them talking about the consequences of your sin and whatnot. So I don't know. It it's tough. I I feel like what's tough too is that there's there's really no um, one size fits all answer to yeah. going through depression. But I think a good starting point though is is um trying to let go of pride as much pride as possible and and being honest with people around you as much as possible because I've witnessed some people in my family who've gone through really long depressions. And a lot of it was because they dug their heels and they wouldn't really refuse to get help. And it hurt other people. It hurt themselves, and it had it has lasting neurological, you know, physical manifestation. Mm -hmm. Like depression is not just mental and, and emotional or spiritual. It's it really affects your whole body and yeah. mind and everything. For sure. Yeah, I, I had a um, a post a few months ago about how there's only been a few times in my life where I've lost significant amounts of weight and it's when I've been sick or when I've been depressed. I really like yeah. it physically shows up in my body. Mm. Um, and that, you know, those are the kind of some, some key ins to, I'm not, I'm not doing great. And that's been hard. I think there are some things that are celebrated in culture, like losing weight. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. You look amazing. And I'm like, I feel <laughs> on the inside, I, I feel horrible. Like, and it's been interesting trying to navigate that realm. Oh, thank you. But it's because I'm really sad or it's because my boy, because I'm spiritually not sick. Yeah. Or it's, it's all of these types mm -hmm. of things that people, I remember receiving that compliment when I um, was a teacher and I just said it was from a parent. And I said, yeah, my boyfriend broke up with me. And so I, I just don't feel like eating. <laughs> those types of things it's you know it's like those types of things show up in your body and um mm. you know I think they're meant to to be a key into us something's wrong you know that's how yeah. I've started identifying things does my body feel like um you know I think with anxiety I feel like this tightness in my chest or this inability to take a deep breath mm. showed up or you know the losing weight but you know these are things that sometimes it's like that control or that quietness is sometimes valued by society or like losing weight mm, yeah such, yeah such a great accomplishment and it's like now you don't understand what's going on right now um, and so I think we it, it's all appropriate for us to take a step back and mm. you know 
just ask somebody how they're doing, right? I can honestly say that people, that was very helpful to me. Um, one of my pastors is very good at getting people just to, to tell them how, how they're doing. And I would be very honest with them and say, I'm not doing so great. Um, <laughs> and thank, you know, I am thankful to have a few people like that in my life that we can be pretty open with and not have yeah. to put, a, put kind of a smiling face on, but to just say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing the best um, on this aspect and have them be yeah. really great listeners. That is, that is funny because the same thing happened to me. I lost like 40, 50 pounds in the matter of like four, five months, really unhealthy. You know, I was probably the lightest I'd been in like 10 years. And, <laughs> and like that part of me felt good, but nothing else felt good, you know? And man, it's, it's funny. It's so funny, but it's not, oh, it's not funny at all, but, um, but you know, it's interesting. Some people gain weight when they are depressed or anxious, you know, it's so it's, it's like, like I said, it's not the same for everybody, but yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we had, we could talk more about mental health and whatnot, but I was curious um, as a last topic to talk a little bit about um, that prophetic voice aspect of, of you. I feel like in the past, um, obviously in the past, couple of years it seems like christians have been very divided on by politics and that's been really painful for a lot of people and it's led to the, this big phenomenon which people have called deconstruction you know yeah. and, and where people are <clears throat> recognizing that the faith they inherited or tradition they inherited it doesn't work in lived experience so they have to either throw it away, burn it all down, or deconstruct and reconstruct it. And and honestly, I feel like as Protestants, that I mean, nobody's more deconstructing than that. You know, when it comes, nobody's a better example of deconstruction than that. So I feel like in a lot of ways, it's hard because many people are almost shamed for deconstructing. They're shamed or um, trying to reimagine or rethink their faith, even if they're not even changing any core doctrines or anything, they're just, maybe they're say, just saying something as simple as like, I think women can preach, you know, <laughs> or yeah. I think the Holy Spirit still speaks today, you know, or, or I think, I don't know, I don't believe in that version of end times theology, you know, um, and that sometimes can be really healthy. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I mean, speaking from your experiences, what has that been like? How has it been? How do you tread water as a, as a, or how, yeah, how do you walk on eggshells, I guess? But how do you know when to walk on eggshells and not walk on eggshells when it comes to, you know, being in, in leadership and, and service to a church that obviously has diverse opinions about mm -hmm. politics and how, how do we engage the public world, you know? That's such a good question. And I think I'm still trying to navigate these waters. It's really bumpy. It's really, really bumpy. And I think I've struggled with coming from such a, a background where theology was, and, and even politics, it's very black and white. This is, this is it. This is, this is wrong. This is right. And you just go from there. And for me, 
that that that's I think you know starting to see those political divisions. It was earth shattering um, to see character kind of be thrown out the window when it came to politics. And there's sort of being these almost logical fallacies used as um, excuses or things like that to justify whether it be political violence or, or you know, I'd almost say really distasteful language um, and, you know, not, not valuing that. Um, the experiences of other people. And so it really was kind of heartbreaking to go through that because I've realized how much I prioritized that consistency of, you know, the people in my life. And I've really come to terms with the fact that really Jesus is the most consistent person. Um, and it's been a really great comfort to remind myself of the consistency of Jesus, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when people try and, you know, um, especially in when we think of American politics, try and say, you know, well, this is what's right. This is what's very strict and very, this is the only right way. Um, and I, I can know and say, no, I, I don't think that is, but I can also remind myself that even when I am disappointed um, in maybe the responses of others or the logical fallacies or all of these aspects that Jesus is consistent and that people can change, but it's not my responsibility to change them. And maybe that's a surprising thing for me to say, because I do think it's important to have a prophetic voice and to speak truth and to call out injustice um, and to be kind of salt and light in the world. And what that means is, you know, speaking truth, but also, you know, standing out. Um, and so I think it's so important to, to let that burden just leave your shoulders. It is not my responsibility to change other people. It's my responsibility to be faithful. And, um, you know, that it's very hard to live that way because I've realized there's a sense of comfort in um, having a large grand scale um, community to win with. And I just really, when I read scripture, it's just not about winning in that way. It's not about political wins at all. You know, <laughs> Jesus could have done amazing things to try and take over the realm of politics and he didn't. If anything, he hid away from those types of things. And so I, I think, you know, I've been really struck by when we engage in, in, in politics, we can do so faithfully but we, we serve a bigger, um, a bigger God than um, the idol that America can come to be sometimes. You know, it's, it's just, you know, if America turns out to be exactly the way your political party wants, it's not heaven. It will never be heaven. It will never be the kingdom of, of God. It will never be this restored 
community if all of the goals of one political party come true in America. It's just not going to be that way. It will never satisfy. And so I think it's, I'm reminded, I, I can't be too comfortable here. Um, I, I, I've been trying to engage as faithfully as possible and to steward my energy in the best way possible as well. I remember I actually had a, a good friend of mine who I love dearly, um, you know, send me a really long uh, message about why I don't speak up more on one specific uh, political issue. And, you know, I said, well, for me, I think it is important to, I, I want to communicate with you what I think about this topic, but also I have to steward my energy and understand when it's time to speak and when it's time to listen. And navigating these things in the church, I said, you know, I tend to have pretty nuanced opinions when it comes to politics. And so they're not popular with anybody. And so, you know, I've been trying to think, are, is there ways I can cultivate a curiosity with certain people um, that I might disagree with and question, you know, why, why they feel certain ways um, or why they might act in a certain way? Um, so cultivating that curiosity, but also stewarding my energy. So I have to balance both of those things. And I think people do feel, feel cared for when, you know, I'm trying to question them, but I can only do that up to a certain point. I have to steward my energy and say, I can only really focus on one thing. Um, I was having a conversation with another good friend about who is very um, disturbed by the border crisis. Um, down south. And I just sort of said, you know, I care about that, but also there's nothing I can do right now from here. So I have to focus on stewarding my energy on what I can do for the population in need here in Rhode Island or here in southeastern Massachusetts. Like that's what I can actually do because otherwise it's just, it becomes anxiety it becomes rage. And um, I just don't think that that has, at least for me, hasn't produced anything. Um, I still have a lot to learn on the topic of how to be a prophetic voice and to speak truth and to engage with others. Um, and, but, um, but I think, again, that, that's the crux of it is like, we have to steward our energy and I'm not about changing people anymore. Um, God will do that work if, if he so wants, but I'm going to prioritize being faithful and, you know, using my small little space, um, whether it be on my social media or just the people I engage with on a regular basis to um, be curious and to um, share light, to grieve though. I think there's an aspect mm. of our culture where even in politics, we tend to not grieve over injustice. Mm. Um, it tends to be more about triumphing or winning. And mm. I don't see that. That aspect of lament has been lost. And so I prioritize, I will lament when there's something to do so. I will try and act when I can and speak truth in the little sphere that I'm in. Um, but it's really ultimately with the goal of being faithful to God. And I hope that that attitude or posture um, reflects well on me and, and shows the light of Christ. Um, you know, I don't just want to 
talk about the Bible. Um, mm. I want to be like Jesus. Mm. And it, it's a high calling and it's hard. It's hard to be consistent like Jesus, but I'm going to, I'm going to try with the power of the Holy Spirit for sure, but <laughs> I'm trying. And I think maybe that's the best we can do is really, really just try. Mm. Wow. That was really well said. I really appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. A lot you said there, I really identify with it's, it's interesting being in that middle ground where not, and I'm not saying being a centrist because I'm, I'm saying like, I think there are some topics we should just lay down and lay down hard and be like, no, that's not right. This is right. You know, because, you know, I often hear that, that verse and I've been thinking about this lately is, and it's usually used by one side often where I hear them say, um, in the last days, there will be those who will say what is right is wrong. What is wrong is right. And I generally hear that coming from conservative people, but you know, my heart wants to say, I feel like a lot of things that you guys used to say was wrong. Now you're saying is right. You know, <laughs> right. And that, that's hard. Well, and I've heard some people say, and this is the part that I, I struggle having any type of grace with. Um, it's just, you know, we're throwing out the way of Jesus to try and win for Jesus. Mm. And that's just not possible. You know, I think of Peter trying, you know, cutting off Malthus's yeah. ear. You know, it, it's like we've literally gone that far in our culture where we're trying to do that. And Jesus just goes, what are you thinking? Well, no. this mentality, but, this mentality of conquest, away. right? There's mentality of conquest and violence, and mm -hmm. and you know there is this this imagery that Paul uses, and maybe even Jesus uses in some way, shapes, or form. You know, I think of when Jesus said, "I, I have not come to bring peace, but the sword." Mm -hmm. Um, when actually when I was talking to Shane Claiborne a couple of weeks ago, I had a great conversation with him, and and. One of the things he, I, I struggled with that verse because I'm like, is Jesus saying we should use violence? It's like, no, what he's saying is what his words are the sword, you know? And that's that's how I interpret it. People forget in that, in that Hebrews passage, it says that the word of God is like a sword cutting between bone and marrow, you know? And when we think of word of God, we often think of what is the word of God? That's not what it says. And then it goes on to explain who the word of God is. It's Jesus. He's the word of God. He's the sword. And when you speak and live in, in Jesus, in the way of Jesus, in the way of the kingdom, you're going to ruffle feathers and you're going to create divisions. And, and you know, in a world where we find ourselves being so uncharitable and divisive, there is some things where, you know, I, I think the average person will say, yeah we shouldn't give charity to the KKK, you know, <laughs> you know, where do you draw the line? You have to draw the line somewhere. You have to create division lines somewhere, you know, and likewise, even, even things as contentious as how we deal with our prison systems, you know, yeah. we have to draw the line somewhere, you know, um, what about healthcare? You know, maybe we should create, maybe we should create a society that's more just in, in terms of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And the list goes on and on. As you go down the list, you're going to start creating divisions and you're going to start saying, I can't go that way. I have to go this way, you know? <clears throat> and um, 
something else you said before too when which i really wanted to highlight um i can't i can't i'm not not trying to change people's minds you know and one of the things i remember laura mansfield used to say in uh, in our small groups was you can't be the holy spirit to other people yeah and it's so true and i think jesus mastered this when he spoke to large crowds and he knew that <laughs> some of his words would end, end up on deaf ears Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that's why he said, those who have the ears to hear it, let them hear. You know, mm-hmm. he's not saying, everybody, listen up, get this. Let me force this down your throat. No, he's like, if you have the ears to hear it, then listen. If not, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out later. There is the hope. Um, you know, I feel like I've changed, I've grown, I've developed in so many ways. And so there is the hope that people can change. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just the responsibility doesn't set on, it's not on my shoulders. If they don't change because of something I've said, even if I crafted the perfect message, like I have a master's degree in communication, (laughs) no perfectly crafted message is going to just change a person. Um, it's, it's, It's somewhere else that change happens elsewhere and so i can just let that slide off my shoulders i still want to do the best i can and engage with the people that i think the lord has put in my sphere um but again it's just i don't have to have that burden or that responsibility Mm -hmm. it's not mine to have um so i can kind of trust god with that and then just say it's my responsibility to live faithfully, to live justly, and to live kindly in this world. And it is not easy. The temptation is to lash back. Mm. Um, it, it really is. But I've found much a, a greater reward when I steward my energy. And then when I try to act like Christ, um, you know, it, I do think yeah. helps healthy boundaries surrounding these things are important and you know saying I'm not willing to be called names that's not okay um for people a lot of people I think make assumptions also and that that's very difficult in the church I've had that situation um, happen where people have made assumptions about me um Mm. and it's really hard and it's led to a lot of really hard conversations but I've definitely been very thankful for the way I think my pastors have tried to have these difficult conversations. Um, and I'm thankful for my, my inner circle of friends. And, you know, I've realized that you're not going to be friends with every single person in the religious mm-hmm. community you're involved in. Um, but we are responsible, like I am responsible for, for caring for those people. And, um, you know, showing them the love of Christ, whether it's by leading them in worship or by, you know, sending them a meal or other ways. But my inner circle of of core people that I can be authentically myself and um, not have to worry about the burden of maybe offending them if I I don't agree um, with them entirely on their political opinions. That's been very helpful as well. it's hard because sometimes you would want certain people to be in that circle and they're not. But again, you have to remember like Jesus had his 12 disciples and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he didn't have impact on the greater crowd, but again, he had that core and 
just kind of embracing that aspect of it's okay to have that core of people, um, even when you're feeling a little bit homeless. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up Jesus because I mean, who better do we have to look to? I mean, he spent every morning alone with God. He got up early and went to the wilderness and spent time with the Father, re recharging and, and refocusing and trying to start his day out right. And um, I mean, that's such a great example. And then even within the 12 disciples, he even had like his closer knit people. So it's like, it's it's kind of a good a good example of of how we should be too like sometimes your your real inner circle is really small and i think that's how it's supposed to be doesn't mean you don't connect with the people outside of you it's just like it just goes outward and um but yeah that the, the idea of protecting your energies i think is really that's really neat helps against pride and it also helps i'm sure it helps you also cuz i think one of the biggest demonic tactics these days is making us so busy and so stretched thin mm -hmm. that we're useless and we're powerless you know that we have no focus and we have no we have so many priorities that the word priority loses its meaning because <laughs> priority used to just mean what is the one thing you know prior the priority now we've made it a list of priorities. It's like, no, that's not how priority works. <laughs> You're supposed to have one priority. And then, you know, everything, everything gets reoriented towards that priority. And I think that's something that's really, actually really practical about the Christian faith is that the priority is Jesus and the gospel. Mm. And then everything else gets, gets, um, you know, put in order around that foundation, you know. Mm -hmm. and and it's really practical in that sense it's really interesting yeah it's really beautiful yeah so that's cool like wh where are you at now I mean now what what has God had on your mind these days <laughs> yeah I, I think for me I, I have struggled I think a little bit with the I, I do live alone and there can be a sense of loneliness and trying to fill the space that I'm given. Um, and sometimes the temptation is to not fill that with God. Um, you know, it's trying to fill it with all, all different voices and busyness. Um, I think I shared, I run at a hundred miles per hour kind of a, as a regular, like I'm just always busy. And so, you know, I've, I've been really thinking about how, how I can intentionally incorporate rest into my life. Um, because it's hard. Uh, it, it really is hard to to Sabbath to to take that um, rest and reflection and and time of quiet. I think it's hard to be to a certain extent hard to be by myself and you know have to live in the the reflections that come with that because I definitely stray towards the negative when it comes to thinking about myself. Um, so I'm trying to think of ways that I can change my, my thought patterns and change my rest patterns um, and trying to just notice those things. Like, what do I turn to first thing in the morning? Is it my phone? Is it mm. checking? I, I will tell you, I'm probably an offender. Um, no, it's I, so... I, I check my like work email almost first thing. Oh, um, no. Bad habit. I need to break that. That will be one of my goals, but um, just those types of things. What am I turning to? But what am I turning to even at, um, at night or the times, you know, when I'm at dinner? So 
that's been something new that I really have been trying to think of creative ways more so than just, all right, I'm going to make sure I do this. Like, I think more traditional forms of, of reflection and like, I, I typically think of like, it must be like, I read this much of my Bible plan and then I pray for X amount of time. And I'm trying not to think of things in such formalized terms. Not that it's bad to have good habits like that of spiritual disciplines. It's more, I, I wanna be more creative when I think about it. I think there's a lot in the ordinary things in life that we do, that we can do in a sacred way, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, yeah, totally. so so that's where I'm at, where I see a lot of patterns that, you know, due to just being alone um, and kind of not living insularly per se, but just trying to fill that space um, with distraction that I think needs to be um, submitted in, in ways that I don't have to think of in a me being productive way, but in me, you know, cultivating Sabbath and cultivating rest. Mm, yeah. Are there any any specific practices that are practical that have come to mind? Um, I think for me, I I, I am a music person, but I, I love mm. listening to some um, really good Christian artists, and um, that's been helpful to me. Like Maverick City has been my go-to. I know mm. <laughs> I know they're very popular these days, but for me, it's been really neat. Where I think just the amount of time spent in thinking on a concept like Jaira, he's enough. And, mm, and just oh, that's a good song. on that, uh, spending time in that, fit, making connections. Um, and then I think also just being able to get outside, get in nature um, and mm. admire what God has created. Uh, that's another intentional aspect that I think, um, you know, going outside with no, no, uh, prior expectations of how that's going to go but just enjoying what God's created and you know the the day that he's made and rejoicing in it um mm. so I I know those are little things and obviously there are aspects where I, you know I'd want want to make sure my my bible reading and my prayer time are 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 rich um and disciplines that I I make sure um to do but I think just the ordinary types of things of what am I listening to? Um, and can I listen in a more reflective way, a more actively reflective way or spending time outside? Um, you know, there's so many studies uh, about the benefits of getting outdoors and enjoying. Yeah. Um, a little bit harder in the winter in our neck of the woods, but- Hey, I love being outside in the winter. Okay, no, yeah. The beautiful snow, the cold air, it feels good. Uh, yeah sure get cold. <laughs> I'm a little chilly I'm a little chilly but again yeah exactly that's the spirit yeah I want to bundle up a little bit more just um notice yeah. things I I live in a really cool area so even when I walk I try to intentionally notice different things or what part or, of Rhode Island are you in I'm in East Providence um oh, I love East Providence yeah it's cool. the bike path yes yes um, love it. Uh, Riverside, Warren, and Bristol. Those are gorgeous areas. <clears throat> yeah, it, it really is beautiful. And I'm so blessed to leave, mm -hmm. live there. Um, but yeah, there's just so much to see. So many people to meet. Oh, yeah. I, I met a dog on my walk the other week and it was beautiful. The dog was born mm -hmm. blind and it just, I wanted to cry, but I also wanted to just like love it so <laughs> much. So stuff like that, you know, I think yeah. there is kind of a sacred aspect as weird as that might sound. Yeah. 
to, to the things that we can do. So I think that would be ways that I want to engage. Yeah. Getting into the rhythms. That's I've been thinking about that lately, the rhythms of, of life and the rhythms. Of, and, and I feel like a lot of, even some, like a lot of like the Eastern traditions of Christianity and also Catholic tradition of Christianity, they're a lot more into like the rhythms of life and contemplation and um, you know, some of like you have some of like the the saints that were kind of more mystics and contemplatives, and they talked all about you know certain prayers you do at certain times of day or just certain practices and and branching out um, and studying other traditions and spiritualities, spiritual heritage or I don't know spiritual traditions of Christianity has really been helpful to me because like I feel like for the longest time I. I thought Christianity started 500 years ago, you know, but it didn't <laughs> clearly, you know, it started, it has, it's a 2000 years of plus the Jewish tradition. You got another right. 4,000 years on top of that, you know, of, of practices and, and theology and doctrine. And, you know, it's, it's interesting going through discerning what is, what is for today and what's not, but like, discerning what's even for you and what there's not everything's you know it's not all one always one size fits all obviously you've got prayer you have scripture you have um communion and and fellowship with the body of christ but other than that like there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to express your spirituality and one of the things for me has been music for sure i mean for longest for longest time as a musician myself i I feel like um, one of the things I've actually been thinking about a lot is beauty and how beauty is a sacrament. <clears throat> it's a means of grace. It's a way of communing with God. God fills those spaces of beauty. So like when you're out in nature and you see beautiful creation, God is, God, you're like receiving, it's a means of grace for receiving um, energy from, from the Holy Spirit, from God through, through his creation. But also in music too, like when you're listening to music, it changes the atmosphere of the room. It's it, there's a spiritual component to it, for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. And you're and you're a musician too. I mean, do you ever write music? I'm actually not a very good writer. I've been challenged. Um, yeah. Try and do more. I think part of it is the time <clears throat> issue, and then yeah. part of it is I. I'm such a as much as I know I lead worship yeah I'm a great follower um I'm a, <laughs> I'm a great support to other people like if I would say there was a gifting with me in music I love to highlight people's voices like I love to sing harmonies yeah you, um, you I know great music you great singer and harmonizer sure um so like I would say it's hard because it's more like I would want to like listen to your music and be like oh could maybe I add something to yeah, just yeah. make it sat to make it mm -hmm. even more beautiful than it already is so I've mm -hmm. always that's how I view myself um yeah. in music as I'm a great accompanist I'm a great like um let me add something to to enhance what's already there mm -hmm. so I love working with amazingly talented musicians yeah uh, because I think I like to be sort of the hot sauce or something. And just the yeah, little, yeah. something little to accompany. The garlic. I'm not the, the steak. I'm more like the mashed, mashed potatoes or the gravy on top. The like gravy, more the au jus. <laughs> Exactly. So that's where I see myself musically. I'm not 
as um, creative, but I, I really enjoy being able to mm-hmm. support other people. Yeah. And obviously you love music. I mean, yeah, I, I remember watching you lead worship and I always thought you were a great musician. You and all the others up there is a very talented group of people. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. This has been such a wonderful conversation, Joanna. And I, it's nice to actually talk to you really to this level for the first time, but also for the sake of hearing other people, you know, really you, you're very humble, but you have a lot to offer, you know, as far as wisdom and experience. And I feel like we hit a lot of great topics too today, <laughs> you know, honestly. Absolutely. Um, and thank feel you. the Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you for engaging and inviting me here into this. Um, oh, absolutely. Into this and, and, you know, sharing some of your own story as well. I, I oh, really yeah, for sure. that vulnerability. It's not always easy. And so mm-hmm. thank you for putting yourself out there as well. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me and hope you have a great night. You too. Lord, Lord, the nature of your wrath It's not an easy path But I'm willing to trust Though I'm dying in the dust